Section 19 of Handbook of Home Rule. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Handbook of Home Rule, being articles on the Irish question. Ireland's Alternatives by Lord Thring, Part 1. Ireland is a component member of the most complex political body the world has yet known any inquiry then into the fitness of any particular form of government for that country involves an investigation of the structures of various composite nations or nations made up of numerous political communities more or less differing from each other from the examination of the nature of the common tie and the circumstances which caused it to be adopted or imposed on the component peoples we cannot but derive instruction and be furnished with materials which will enable us to take a wide view of the question of home rule and assist us in judging between the various remedies proposed for the cure of irish disorders the nature of the ties which bind or have bound the principal composite nations of the world together may be classified as one confederate unions two federal unions three imperial unions a confederate union may be defined to mean an alliance between the governments of independent states which agree to appoint a common superior authority having power to make peace and war and to demand contributions of men and money from the confederate states such superior authority has no power of enforcing its decrees except through the medium of the governments of the constituent states or in other words in case of disobedience by armed force a federal union differs from a confederate union in the material fact that the common superior authority instead of acting on the individual subjects of the constituent states through the medium of their respective governments has a power in respect of all matters within its jurisdiction of enacting laws and issuing orders which are binding directly on the individual citizens the distinguishing characteristics of an imperial union are that it consists of an aggregate of communities one of which is dominant and that the component communities have been brought into association not by arrangement between themselves but by colonization cession and by other means emanating from the resources or power of the dominant community the above-mentioned distinction between a government having communities only for its subjects and incapable of enforcing its orders by any means other than war and a government acting directly on individuals must be constantly borne in mind for in this lies the whole difference between a confederate and federal union that is to say between a confederacy which in the case of the united states lasted a few short years and a federal union which with the same people as subjects has lasted nearly a century and has stood the strain of the most terrible war of modern times the material features of the constitution of the united states have been explained in a previous article all that is necessary to call to mind here is that the government of the united states exercises a power of taxation throughout the whole union by means of its own officers and enforces its decrees through the medium of its own courts a supreme court has also been established 
which has power to adjudicate on the constitutionality of all laws passed by the legislature of the united states or of any state and to decide on all international questions switzerland was till eighteen forty eight an example of a confederate union or league of semi-independent states which unlike other confederacies had existed with partial interruptions for centuries this unusual vitality is attributed by mill to the circumstances that the confederate government felt its weakness so strongly that it hardly ever attempted to exercise any real authority its present government finally settled in eighteen seventy four but based on fundamental laws passed in eighteen forty eight is a federal union formed on the pattern of the american constitution it consists of a federal assembly comprising two chambers the upper chamber composed of forty-four members chosen by the twenty-two cantons two for each canton the lower consisting of a hundred and forty-five members chosen by direct election at the rate of one deputy for every twenty thousand persons the chief executive authority is deputed to a federal council consisting of seven members elected for three years by the federal assembly and having at their head a president and vice-president who are the first magistrates of the republic there is also a federal tribunal having similar functions to those of the supreme court of the united states of america consisting of nine members elected for six years by the federal assembly the empire of germany is a federal union differing from the united states and switzerland in having a hereditary emperor as its head it comprises twenty-six states who have formed an eternal union for the protection of the realm and the care of the welfare of the german people the king of prussia under the title of german emperor represents the empire in all its relations to foreign nations and has the power of making peace and war but if the war be more than a defensive war he must have the assent of the upper house the legislative body of the empire consists of two houses the upper called the bundesrath representing the several component states in different proportions according to their relative importance the lower the reichstag elected by the voters in three hundred and ninety seven electoral districts which are distributed among the constituent states in unequal numbers regard being had to the population and circumstances of each state the austro-hungarian empire is a federal union differing alike in its origin and construction from the federal unions above mentioned in the beginning austria and hungary were independent countries austria a despotism hungary a constitutional monarchy with ancient laws and customs dating back to the foundation of the kingdom in eight ninety five in the sixteenth century the supreme power in both countries that is to say the despotic monarchy in austria and the constitutional monarchy in hungary became vested in the same person as might have been anticipated the union was not a happy one if we dip into herein's political system of europe at intervals selected almost at random the following notices will be found in relation to austria and hungary between sixteen seventy one and seventeen hundred political unity in the austrian monarchy was to have been enforced especially in the principal country hungary for this was regarded as the sole method of establishing power the consequence was an almost perpetual revolutionary state of affairs 
again in the next chapter commenting on the period between seventeen forty and seventeen eighty six hungary in fact the chief was treated like a conquered province subjected to the most oppressive commercial restraints it was regarded as a colony from which austria exacted what she could for her own advantage the injurious consequences of this internal discord are evident coming to modern times we find that oppression followed oppression with sickening monotony and that at last the determination of austria to stamp out the constitution in hungary gave rise to the insurrection of eighteen forty nine which austria suppressed with the assistance of russia and as a penalty declared the hungarian constitution to be forfeited and thereupon hungary was incorporated with austria as ireland was incorporated with great britain in eighteen hundred both events were the consequences of unsuccessful rebellions but the junction which in the case of hungary was enforced by the sword was in ireland more smoothly carried into effect by corruption hungary sullen and discontented waited for austria's calamity as her opportunity and it came after the battle of sadova austria had just emerged from a fearful conflict and count boist felt that unless some resolute effort was made to meet the views of the constitutional party in hungary the dismemberment of the empire must be the result now what was the course he took was it a tightening of the bonds between austria and hungary on the contrary to maintain the unity of the empire he dissolved its union and restored to hungary its ancient constitutional privileges austria and hungary each had its own parliament for local purposes to manage the imperial concerns of peace and war and the foreign relations a controlling body called the delegations was established consisting of one hundred and twenty members of whom half represent and are chosen by the legislature of austria and the other half by that of hungary the upper house of each country returning twenty members and the lower house forty ordinarily the delegates sit and vote in two chambers but if they disagree the two branches must meet together and give their final vote without debate which is binding on the whole empire the question arises what is the magnetic influence which induces communities of men to combine together in federal unions undoubtedly it is the feeling of nationality and what is nationality mr mill says a portion of mankind may be said to constitute a nationality if they are united among themselves by common sympathies which do not exist between them and any others which make them cooperate with each other more willingly than other people desire to be under the same government and desire that it should be a government by themselves or a portion of themselves exclusively he then proceeds to state that the feeling of nationality may have been generated by various causes sometimes it is the identity of race and descent community of language and community of religion greatly contribute to it geographical limits are one of its causes but the strongest of all is identity of political antecedents the possession of a national history and consequent community of recollections collective pride and humiliation pleasure and regret connected with the same incidents in the past 
the only point to be noted further in reference to the foregoing federal unions is that the same feeling of nationality which in the united states switzerland and the german empire produced a closer legal bond of union in the case of austria-hungary operated to dissolve the amalgamation formed in eighteen forty nine of the two states and to produce a federal union of states in place of a single state one conclusion seems to follow irresistibly from any review of the construction of the various states above described that the stability of a nation bears no relation whatever to the legal compactness or homogeneity of its component parts russia and france the most compact political societies in europe do not to say the least rest on a firmer basis than germany and switzerland the inhabitants of which are subjected to the obligations of a double nationality above all no european nation except great britain can for a moment bear comparison with the united states in respect of the devotion of its people to their constitution an imperial union though resembling somewhat in outward form a federal union differs altogether from it both in principle and origin its essential characteristic is that one community is absolutely dominant while all the others are subordinate in the case of a federal union independent states have agreed to resign a portion of their powers to a central government for the sake of securing the common safety in an imperial union the dominant or imperial state delegates to each constituent member of the union such a portion of local government as the dominant state considers the subordinate member entitled to consistently with the integrity of the empire the british empire furnishes the best example of an imperial union now existing in the world her majesty as common head is the one link which binds the empire together and connects with each other every constituent member the indian empire and certain military dependencies require no further notice in these pages but a summary of our various forms of colonial government is required to complete our knowledge of the forms of home rule possibly applicable to ireland the colonies in relation to their forms of government may be classified as follows one crown colonies in which laws may be made by the governor alone or with the concurrence of a council nominated by the crown two colonies possessing representative institutions but not responsible government in which the crown has only a veto on legislation but the home government retains the control of the executive three colonies possessing representative institutions and responsible government in which the crown has only a veto on legislation and the home government has no control over any public officer except the governor the british colonial governments thus present an absolute gradation of rule beginning with absolute despotism and ending with almost absolute legal independence except in so far as a veto on legislation and the presence of a governor named by the crown mark the dependence of the colony on the mother country it is to be remembered moreover that the colonies which have received this complete local freedom are the great colonies of the earth nations themselves possessing territories as large or larger than any european state namely canada the cape new south wales victoria queensland south australia new zealand tasmania 
and this change from dependence to freedom has been effected with the good will both of the mother country and the colony and without it being imputed to the colonists when desiring a larger measure of self-government that they were separatists anarchists or revolutionists such are the general principles of colonial government but one colony requires special mention from the circumstance of its constitution having been put forward as a model for ireland this is the dominion of canada the government of canada is in effect a subordinate federal union that is to say it possesses a central legislature having the largest possible powers of local self-government consistent with the supremacy of the empire with seven inferior provincial governments exercising powers greater than those of an english county but not so great as those of an american state the advantage of such a form of government is that without weakening the supremacy of the empire or of the central local power it admits of considerable diversities being made in the details of provincial government where local peculiarities and antecedents render it undesirable to make a more complete assimilation of the governments of the various provinces materials have now been collected which will enable the reader to judge of the expediency or inexpediency of the course taken by mr gladstone's government in dealing with ireland three alternatives were open to them one to let matters alone two to pass a coercion bill three to change the government of ireland and at the same time to pass a land bill the last two measures were combined under the head of one alternative as it will be shown in the sequel that no effective land bill can be passed without granting home rule in ireland now the short answer to the first alternative is that no party in the state conservative whig radical unionist home ruler parnellite thought it possible to leave things alone that something must be done was universally admitted the second alternative has found favor with the present government and certainly is a better example of the triumph of hope over experience than even the proverbial second marriage eighty-six years have elapsed since the union during the first thirty-two years only eleven years and during the last fifty-four years only two years have been free from special repressive legislation yet the agitation for repeal of the union and general discontent are more violent in eighteen eighty seven than in any one of the eighty-six previous years in the name of common sense is there any reason for supposing that the coercion bill of eighteen eighty seven will have a better or more enduring effect than its numerous predecessors the prima facie case is at all events in favor of the contention that when so many trials of a certain remedy have failed it would be better not to try the same remedy again but to have recourse to some other medicine what then was the position of mr gladstone's government at the close of the election of eighteen eighty five what were the considerations presented to them as supreme supervisors and guardians of the british empire they found that vast colonial empire tranquil and loyal beyond previous expectation the greater colonies satisfied with their existing position the lesser expecting that as they grew up to manhood they would be treated as men and emancipated from childish restraints the channel islands and the isle of man were contented with their sturdy dependent independence loyal to the backbone 
one member only stood aloof sulky and dissatisfied and though in law integrally united with the dominant community practically was disassociated from it by forming within parliament the controlling body of the whole a separate section of which the whole aim was to fetter the action of the entire supreme body in order to bring to an external severance the practical disunion which existed between that member and great britain this member ireland as compared with other parts of the empire was small and insignificant measured against great britain its population was five millions to thirty-one millions and its estimated capital was only one twenty-fourth part of the capital of the united kingdom measured against australia its trade with great britain was almost insignificant its importance arose from the force of public opinion in great britain which deemed england pledged to protect the party in ireland which desired the union to be maintained and from the power of obstructing english legislation through the medium of the irish contingent willing and ready on every occasion to intervene in english debates the first step to be taken obviously was to find out what the great majority of irish members wanted the answer was that they would be contented to quit the british parliament on having a parliament established on college green with full powers of local government and that they would accept on behalf of their country a certain fixed annual sum to be paid to the imperial exchequer on condition that such sum should not be increased without the consent of the irish representatives here there were two great points gained without any sacrifice of principle ireland could not be said to be taxed without representation when her representatives agreed to a certain fixed sum to be paid till altered with their consent while at the same time all risk of obstruction to english legislation by irish means was removed by the proposal that the irish representatives should exercise local powers in dublin instead of imperial powers at westminster on the basis of the above arrangement the bill of mr gladstone was founded absolute local autonomy was conferred on ireland the assent of the irish members to quit the imperial parliament was accepted and the bill provided that after a certain day the representative irish peers should cease to sit in the house of lords and the irish members vacate their places in the house of commons provisions were then made for the absorption in the irish legislative body of both the irish representative peers and irish members End of section nineteen